Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt Cain and I'm joined here in the city of Chicago by Glenn Fitzgerald. Just doing a really professional mic check earlier. No doubt, it really was, it was overwhelming in his professionalism. Yeah. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission of State Productions. I nearly broke everything like two minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> like Godzilla rampaging through Tokyo. <laughs> Just knocking things over in the studio. All things he owns, which yeah. was the weirdest. It was a weird. It was like a weird power move thing. <laughs> Joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, in a studio that is free from Jed's reign of terror. Yep. When the pastor crashed me to church, the younger. Although on a weekly basis, something screws up, and I send emergency texts to Jed. Help me fix this problem. Oh, he knows how to use it. <laughs> He just doesn't quite have the fine motor control some weeks. You know, at the end of a punk rock show and the band smashes their guitars on stage. Yeah. And not, that, that's me, like, just with a studio, though. Right. And you know, yeah. I know in the movie, like, if they do that in the movie, they pan across the horrified-looking square in the suit. Who's just, I can't believe they're doing that. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. We all have our roles to play. <laughs> Mine is often, unfortunately, played by a Rick Moranis-type character who's just nervous and looks out of place. Yeah. Listen, guys. Listen, guys. Let's get down to the wisdom. Yeah, you want to do it? That's how I like to do it. I'm ready, man. Get straight down to the wisdom. Okay, our first question. See, the thing about that is Glenn's not declaring the emergency this time, so we could have done it. But I I didn't have it in me to call his bluff. Let's do it. Sure. I'm going to declare the emergency. We're not going to get right to the wisdom? As shocking as that is, we were going to do it, guys. We're going to, it'd been 276 shows in a row where we, we, something had come up and we were just about to make it. I don't remember that. No, well, you, you pretty much forget about the show as soon as we hit, as soon as we hit stop record. That is definitely true. To the, um, to the detriment of certain relationships, including the one with your wife sometimes. Definitely. That doesn't sound like (laughs) something we would say. I don't remember (laughs) saying that. There's some very odd, I appreciate all my friends who are super fans who know me personally, but. That does lead some, to some interesting out-of-context quotes that get texted to me on Wednesday morning right. when people are driving to work. But unfortunately, <laughs> I wanted to get to the wisdom, too. Nobody wanted to get direct to the wisdom more right. than me. But we have a very serious Sunday school song emergency. What? An emergency? Oh. International Sunday school emergency. Oh, my goodness. So we have, uh, I, will, I will spare the name because they work at this church. We have a Southeast, one of our Southeast Asia correspondents mm. sent us in. Uh, some sc- some uh, screen captures, some spy photos, if you will, okay. of a uh, song that they're doing at the new church that okay. I she's at. Um, and I, I give you these three verses, and Hit we're going to use this jump. And this this is a Southeast Asian correspondent in Southeast Asia. Yes, not just a person telling of, us of what's the, happening yeah. there. Yeah, you're, 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 you know the scoop, if you will. Uh, this is verse one of this particular song. And here's the thing: it sounds like a children's song. But the picture is from the audience, and there's a very noticeable man who's balding with gray hair in said audience. So I think this is for like the the normal church service. Okay. All children are beautiful, Matt. I'm just saying this one maybe wow, lives Matt. near a river with some stuff in it. This is a child. Um, you can't go to heaven in a rocking chair. God doesn't want any lazy bone. All my sins are washed away. Praise the Lord. Wow. And that one that one ended good. I think we'd agree with the last two lines there. All my yeah. sins are washed away. Praise the Lord. That's good. Sure. The yeah. first part's a bit confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Laziness is kind of one of the things I'm looking forward to most about heaven. It's one of the few things I really like about this plane of existence. I'm hoping it'll carry on into the next. Can I go to heaven in a Barca lounger? Can we arrange that? Mm, it doesn't rock. Mm. It is a chair. Yeah, it reclines. I assume there's some kind of committee. Yeah. What about one of those fancy new uh, Eno... Hammocks. Can I go to heaven in one of those, Matt? Oh, well, cool. if young life is to be believed, that's main, the main transportation point to heaven is you just climb the Eno ladder up all the way to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I sent a thing back on this one where it's one of those ergonomical yeah. chairs where you're like kneeling in it. Yeah. I and that's what? less comfortable. So, going way by holier. medieval that's, reasoning. You, if you kick off while you're in one of them, you just shoot straight up to heaven. Yeah, penthouse suite and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So glad you said sweet. Okay, well, let's, as we find our way through this, let's move on to the next one. You can't go to heaven in a jumbo jet. God hasn't built any runway yet. 
What? All my sins are washed away. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, there's a lot going on in this one. My favorite part is yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the to-do list. Sure, it's, absolutely. It's under construction. Once the funding comes through. I mean, we broke ground, but... Sure. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Could we take a jumbo jet, then parachute out of it, oh. and land in heaven that way? That would work. Mm, Just like a full like a James little... Bond kind of deal? Exactly yeah. right. Exactly let, right. Let me pitch Wait, this. Wait, a motorcycle out of the back of a, out of the back of a, uh, of a jet? Dude, yeah, you take absolutely. a C-130 up to heaven, you buzz the ground, the Apostle Paul leaps off on a motorcycle in motion. That's a heaven I'd like to get to. Yes. Sure. That's yeah. If Jed wrote that book that that kid made up about, you know, I was a kid and I saw heaven, it would be like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would mainly be stare, It would mainly be the screenplay of, like, the, the sequels to Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that Arnold was no longer in. Yeah, that's right. Right. We'd, like, gone to a Seagal Van Damme level, but it's yeah. technically, you know... Predator Four, yeah, but basically those scripts, but with the Apostle Paul written into them. Yeah, places. yeah, but does yeah. in in Jed's version? Okay, so the motorcycle comes back out of the C one thirty. You're you're going on the motorcycle, but then all of a sudden the tires kind of rotate to horizontal. Then it's a it's a hover cycle yeah. hovering over uh uh the crystal sea of Mountain Dew. Yeah, that's right. And then you that's just right. hop off of there, and then just and then you're just fully submerged in the Mountain Dew Sea. That's perfect. Plus, the Apostle Paul has a sawed-off shotgun over one shoulder. Yeah, there's no crying or pain there, but you never know. He's ready. He's vigilant, and he's he's good to go. Every so. now and then, he just he just fires it off. We got to make sure it still works. Yeah, just you know, and and uh, you know, just for fun. Heaven's great for now. Exactly right. Yeah, that's how heaven is. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because you don't get there in a plane. No, you don't. Or a rocking chair. Right. Runways. Like a, a you know, helicopter, that's fine. Yeah, that's sure. cool. You don't have no runways. The yeah. belly landing, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that could that could probably be, that would work. It'd sure. be a little rough, but you could get to heaven that way. I think so. Yeah. No, I, I like Jed's version of Cormac McCarthy Presents Heaven. <laughs> heaven. That's right. That's Just wandering right. around with uh, armaments. Yeah. Waiting for something to kick off. Yeah, that's right. So we have these, these uh, peculiarities come in from our Southeast Asian correspondent. And uh, one of the, uh, we had a friend, uh, an Appalachian correspondent, uh, picked this up on Twitter and responded, this is very different from our other, uh, this is very different from her Sunday school experience, which included a song with the line, and I quote, jump in your big fat forward burn rubber for the Lord. Yeah. Well, okay. So we don't, you can't get there in a jumbo jet. Right. But Fords. Sure. And that's not about giving to heaven. That's just kind of what Jesus would have wanted. Is this like a marketing thing? Is this like a marketing thing? Like you can't, like you can't take a Dodge to heaven well, or something like that. It's it's an interesting point, and um, that was our friend Kathleen from West Virginia, and I, I we all of this uh, podcast group in the South. Um, I th- I wonder if it's not more of a, a schismy thing. Yeah, because mm-hmm. if I I I don't have the evidence, I haven't done the research, but if a church in the American South hasn't split over Ford versus Chevy. I will eat your hat. Yeah. Yeah. The pastor rolls up one day in an F-150 and half this church is just gone. Yeah. We can't trust him. We can't be led by this man. Yeah. We are out. Yeah. yeah. You don't get in your big fat Toyota and burn rubber for the Lord. Yeah. It's only for the Lord if it's from a Ford. Yeah. yeah. We know because it rhymes and that's yes. how truth works. <laughs> well, God buys American. I mean, that much we can assume to be true. Well, that That's a given. Yeah. Speaking, I Is that think- because of his charitable spirit? <laughs> so speaking, I think as the only member of the podcast that did drive a giant Ford truck Fair. for his, his personal transport. Sure. That's true. I'm not entirely sure about the theology of this statement. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's um, we we seem to be retrofitting some things yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But then the the capper on this whole uh, multicultural, multi geographic, um, Sunday school song conversation was uh, that went to Brother Glenn, who found I I don't know if this is one from your past or when you just yeah. feel represented us. He said this was our Sunday school song. We'd like to share the we, title. We, said Sunday school. We song. did sing this uh, in our church. <laughs> okay. Um, in Houston, Texas, I'll, I'll, we can't sing it because it would uh, the rights and whatnot. Yeah. But we'll, I'll I'll read you the lyrics. Drop kicked me Jesus through the goalposts of life, end over end, neither left nor right, straight through the heart of them righteous uprights. Drop kicked oh. me Jesus 
throw the goalposts of life. Make me, oh, make me, Lord, more than I am. Make me a piece in your master game plan. Free from earthly temptations below. I've got the will, Lord, if you've got the toe. Oh, come on. (laughs) That, if someone who wasn't from Texas had written that as a joke about people from Texas, it would be offensive. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot going on there. That's art. Yeah. Okay. You just heard <laughs> art. Is. Yeah. One of the fun, one of my favorite things about that is a very minor point, but the drop kick has not been used since like the 40s. Right. If you watch football down, you know, they snap it and the guy holds it in case it's there. You can actually catch it yourself and he can hit the ground once and it counts, but right. no one does it. Right. So right. I like the idea that they wrote that, you know, 1938 or whatever it was when Newt yeah. Rockney was still around and, and just let it ride. Yeah. Just it's it's so perfect as it is. Yeah, we're gonna keep using this well into the seventies. Yeah, yeah. It's you 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 don't say place kick me through the goalposts <laughs> of life. It just doesn't fit. It's drop kick me. You know what I mean? Sure. It just lacks the the joie de vie. That's it's, right. It's, it's got to be a drop kick. I've got the will, Lord. If you've got the toe, that's just poetry. <laughs> is what that is. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now you you I feel like this whole audience is like elevated their cultural yeah. whatever's. You know. Yeah, I think it's fair. And you're welcome. Yeah. And again, I've... Go ahead, Sorry, Matt. Not to cut you off, but I'd like to hear what other regional, you know, pastimes written into children's praise songs would be, you know, like... Yeah, the, yeah that's, you know, that's good. Yeah. Like, you know, people in... It's like, you know, if you've got, if you've got people in, in uh, Maine, per se, you know, right. and so you've got songs about being caught up in Jesus's lobster net of life. Oh, that's good. You know, that's good. I like that. And, right. you know, I mean, I, I don't know how that would go, but, uh, you know, in different places. But this is a very interesting thing. I, 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 I'm glad that Texas really took it there. Yeah. But I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a, a lot of places and a lot of varied interests right. and kind of regional, regional flavor that you could really, you could really right. get into the theology on. Well, we've shown them how to do it, you know. So like, you place a trail. Like if you're in Canada, you can sing about how Jesus is as sweet as maple syrup sure put on your beaver pelt and let's go to church sure absolutely along those lines that's off the top of my head you understand sure i'm I'm covered in grace like a big plate of poutine right yeah that's that's good that's good they would relate to that i feel for sticking and those are all good i feel we're gonna stick with the sporting analogy the canadian would have have to have something to do with a power play yeah yeah that's right some yeah you know like uh you know there's somebody extra on my team now right you know uh, high sticking no doubt, yeah, thing, tripping, you know. you know. Yeah, so that's, so, you know, but what we've done is we gave you the outline, you just fill in the bits. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we ain't going to do all the work for you, okay? Also, we can't think of anything. Well, it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> if you got, if you're from Australia, throw in a bit about a koala bear, boom. Sure. Next right. country. Jesus koala, you're welcome. You, you're riding in the pouch. Yeah. Of the kangaroo <laughs> yeah. of Jesus. Yes. Boom. Sure. Next. You think yeah. do you think that's the Australian version of that footprints poem? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there was only one footprints. I'm riding Jesus' pouch. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. Good. That's we we just we're solving problems left and right. We're not going into the fine details. Y'all work that out. Sure. We we you know, we, we want to be respectful of Certain regional traditions, we sure. may not have the understanding. We, if nothing else, we are respectful of other. No cultures. doubt, would we like to give our British friends a cricket song? True, but we don't understand it. Yeah, it's Jesus like a, takes your wickets. Is that good or bad? I don't know. We don't. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> like, uh, and then you 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 hit it with a bat, but then you run while you're still holding it. Yeah, that's crazy. Which seems like a smarter way than the way we do it. To be fair, yeah, it's uh, they're all wearing sweaters, so it's all confusing to us. Mm. We stop in the middle for tea. That seems pleasant. Yeah, like uh, you know, tea and crumpets with the uh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Sure, sure, you know, no doubt. Love it. So you know, f- just fill out the. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just swap out. It's like what, uh, like a Mad Libs. Yes. Right. And you put in your stuff. Yes. That you have in your area. <laughs> See, so that's solved. Yeah. We solved it. That's how you. That's how you write a worship song. You bashing people that are in a rocking chair. Hey, where I come from, rocking chair. Front porch uh, fellowship time. Don't don't mess with that, dude. Sure. I, I think we do need to take issue with this. You can't go to heaven in a rocking chair because God don't need no lazy bones. Yeah, is, something like that. Yeah. I have a feeling this was a this this was a poorly um, ported in version of an older American 
Oh, like a like, bad translation of yeah, American like a VBS mode. thing. Or, okay. It's um yeah. There's some there's some weird theology on that. I'm I just mean, saying. especially because in heaven it's it says in the book of Revelation they will rest from their labors. Yeah. So yeah, can he, we please does, have a rocking chair, please? He he does call himself the God of all comfort. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not. Uh, you know, yeah, relaxing's good. Yeah, it seems, seems good to me. So it just, also tells you a lot about the priorities in life of the people in this podcast. We say that God has a favorite uh, pickup truck brand. Okay, whatever. God's against laziness. Now wait. Yeah, hold on a, a second. Dang minute. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot to offend the people on the Set Out Podcast. That's but right. If you besmirch laziness, <laughs> go easy. <laughs> hey, yeah, don't don't stay away back. from loafing. Yeah, yeah that's. Uh, I think we solved that. Yeah. I think we totally solved it. Basically, we just took praise and worship globally to yeah. the next level. Yeah. We're, you know what we're doing? We're disrupting it. <laughs> no doubt. I yeah. think, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> Super it feels like, like whenever you do something, you say, we're disrupting it. You did it. You disrupted sure. it. So, bam. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> sure, man. I think it's great. I would say we're the Uber of praise music, but... Almost all praise music, I think, is the Uber of praise music. We're the point. lift of praise music. We're Thank you very much. We're slightly less horrible than the other thing. We're a lift with why. Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's the cool way to say it. Yeah, that's good. Lift. If you do it, if you do it that way, your uh, your worship leader has to put that big pink mustache on the front of his guitar. Yeah. You know, so that yeah. people know, just know what's up. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, I'm going to declare emergency off before we uh, get further insane. Well, the thing is, we did a full 50 minutes on that. It was funny. It was on topic, and we didn't do anything horribly offensive. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I'm going to call that a win and sure. move right on. Because wow. I'm not going to lie to you, listener. You may have felt it, too, when uh, one of us pitched the idea, we well, could do it for lots of types of cultures. I got a little nervous on that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the one of us who's from Florida realized there's nothing he could pitch that wouldn't be awfully offensive or just yeah. completely yeah. insane. Yeah, that's yeah. that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Florida is the uh, is the is the difficulty set on hard of coming up with a local praise song. Yeah, well, we're gonna move on here. If you want to hear uh, songs that we came up with, not on the fly, uh, to actually be helpful, Ooh. Uh, and then you can check out Bridgebox. Uh, Jed and Lee write songs for that every month. Our friend Pete and Tasha are the ever mysterious and reclusive poolhouse guru. Occasional. Mm. Drop in and give us a beat, if you will, and uh, mm. lots of uh, guest artists and friends stepping in for us to give exclusive music to Bridgebox. You also get songs and sermons, all based around a topic. We're still in the month of July, where our topic is how do I respect an imperfect authority. So we're moving on into August, where we'll be talking about grieving, but all sorts of good stuff around those topics. Check out over to missionusa.com/bridgebox and check out how to sign up. Even if you don't sign up, if you go to missionusa.com/bridgebox, you can find some free goodies to download. We're going to move on to our first question here. It came in anonymously. If you want to hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. This one says, "I've got a problem with my spiritual life. My roommate is an atheist, and he's always debating me about my faith." And the truth is, sometimes I feel uncertain after we talk. I still believe, but it's like I don't know what to think about it and how to have peace about it. Any advice? And Glenn, why don't you start us off on this one? Yeah, I think uh, we might need to take a new look at what's happening with you and your roommate who's always bringing up Christianity. It's because uh, he hates it so much. Yeah, here's the thing. I don't believe in Fairies and gnomes and forest sprites. Okay. Well, you, you, you're talking about living ones because there's gnomes in the garden, and that just like the porcelain ones. Like you a, believe in yeah, those? The they? porcelain ones, yeah. Okay, you, but know, you mean like a like a Finnish folklore, an, an actual uh, troll living under a bridge? <laughs> no, right. I do not believe in these things. I've also never brought that up with anyone. <laughs> you don't lie awake in your bed at night wondering if right. there really is a troll. Don't yeah. start a Reddit coming up with amazing arguments. Yeah, no. Reading books and, about it. Well, and the, here's another thing. Um, that there are people, uh, you know, that like stuff that I'm not into, and that I may find a little silly and a little goofy, and I may give them a, a, the occasional lighthearted ribbing about that. But I wouldn't find somebody, for example, that liked a Harry Potter or something, and say, you know, you shouldn't like that. It's horrible, and the fact that you like it kind of means you're a bit horrible too. I would never say that because that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> so at best, what you've got is a person who's just being awful here. Right. 
but again, if he's bringing this up with a lot of consistency, I was I was looking back at the question to see if it was a guy, and then I realized, of course, it's a guy. <laughs> um, Neck beard. <laughs> yeah, we, we've uh, been doing this for a while. Certain patterns emerge. Yeah, you bet. Here's the thing. Um, uh, he's hoping you will talk him into Christianity and out of what he's on. Uh, and it would be better if you counts the conversation with him in that way. In other words, you know, hey, you bring this up a lot. I think that's because you have doubts uh, or you have an interest or you there's some part of you that wants to believe some of what I believe, but you can't seem to bring yourself to it. And you attempt what what you're appearing to do here is uh this this odd attempt to make us uh, discuss it in a logical way, in a scientific way, in a mathematical way, in order to determine whether this thing is true or not. And that's not going to work. Uh, I can't tell you the mathematics, why I fell in love with this woman, why I like this song, why I'm inspired by this piece of sculpture. There is no math to that. There is no science to that. When it comes to human relationships, when it comes to things that are, are of the heart, you cannot explain them in scientific terms, and it's absurd to try. This is not what's going on here. Um, you're, you're, you feel shaken because you can't give him a logical explanation for these things. And I would have you uh, focus on the fact that you don't believe because it's logical. Yeah, right. Uh, so that's 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 why you're having problems here. But again, I would uh, I, I would turn this back to. Let's be honest about why you keep bringing this up. If you're not ready to talk about that, don't bring it up. Last thing, and and just just before I send it around to these guys, the thing is, uh, with me and in, in my ministry uh, uh, career and what I do, uh, whether that's online, whether that's in person, uh, regardless of where I'm at, I at all costs I avoid theoretical, intellectual, philosophical type conversations. I just don't do them. Well, let me ask you a theoretical question. No, tell me what your problem is and what's going on. Well, right. in general, if it's like, does the Bible th- propose? No, just tell me what you are struggling with and what you are wondering that God might feel about that or whatever. I want to talk human being experiences, and I think that would would uh, get us out of the rut that you're stuck in with your roommate. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that it's not uh, useful or somehow more high-minded to divorce a belief from everyday reality. That's um, that's kind of a trap to get caught into. And Leah, I'd love you to, to pick us up there. And it speaks to this underlying thing that Glenn pointed to, that the, the reason you might be a little shaken by this and the point of these conversations is not to come up with the, um, the cleverest and the most kind of uh, succinct and witty retort that's going to shut this whole thing down. There's something else going on here, right? Yeah, definitely. A couple of things. One, uh, if somebody's got their mind made up about something, um, they're they're not looking for uh, somebody to show them where they're wrong on that. Um, and somebody that's aggressive about all their points, they're they're not inviting um, they're not inviting somebody to change their mind. They want to beat you down. That's yep. that's what's happening. This is not a this this is not an invitational type of thing, and and you know a lot of times there's not a uh, there's there's just not that 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 linchpin amazing answer that's going to solve it all. If if that existed, somebody way smarter than us would have already said it by now, and it would have already changed everybody's mind. Uh, that that thing's not out there. Um, to Glenn's point. I think that one thing that your roommate may may be screaming loud that they don't even know that they are saying or feeling is what I'm on isn't working to make me happy. Um, My life, I'm not satisfied with where my life is. If you have a life where you are, you are satisfied, you have fulfillment, you serve people, you love people, you have uh, relationships that are full of tenderness and kindness and compassion and all that kind of stuff. There's nobody in the world that has a problem with that, um, and and uh, unless they're a really humongous tool. And the thing is, is that 
everybody's looking for that. Everybody's looking for a life that actually works. Amen. Everybody's looking for some real satisfaction. Um, in a veiled way, what your roommate is saying is, uh, I don't understand why I can't be happy like some of the people that you hang around are, or like you are sometimes. I I don't understand why I don't have what you have, and it's pissing me off because I can't work out the puzzle. Um, because I don't, I'm not on what you're on, and I should be, and I'm right about everything, so I should be happier than everybody. But it's not working. And that's the whole thing. In the end, this stuff isn't about the, the linchpin answer that unlocks the whatever and proves the whatever or wins the argument. It's about, does what I'm on give me any real satisfaction in my life? That's what everyone is looking for, is a, a life that actually has some meaning, a life that actually has some fulfillment, a life and, and a purpose that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and go do something. As Matt said in the previous episode, what we'd all like to be doing is just eating Cheetos and playing video games or, or sleeping or something like that. And we've actually found something that's even more fun than that, even yeah. more gratifying than that in serving Jesus and serving people. And so if you have that kind of life and you're, you're living that, that's what, we're really, that's what everybody's really looking for. You don't have to win an argument. Just live your full life, man. That's what, uh, whether or not this dude knows it, that's what he's screaming out loud is he's super dissatisfied with his life and it doesn't make sense to him why that is. Yeah, that's a really great point. And Jed, I think the other thing about living out um, your faith, which is really is the answer to this, as both these guys have talked about, is um, you, you may be uh, too busy to have this argument, which is a lovely thing. Yeah. One of the things about uh, what all four of us do, professionally, but even just volunteer stuff, as Glenn's pointing out, would be like, well, what if hypothetical? What if, could God make a burrito so hot? Is no, nah, no, no, we're not doing that. Yep. Because I have a thing I do. If you want to come see what it's about, and then judging on that, you can come do that. But and that's a pretty potent um, argument stopper, right? It is, and it's it's both a, a potent argument stopper for this situation, but it's also just for the doubts in your own heart, man. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you wrote in and, and you know, uh, the stuff you're describing, it can be, it can be hard. And the thing I'd really encourage you to do that I know all of us would encourage you to do is to find a way to live out your faith by right. serving other people. And the reason for that is it will, exactly as Lee is saying, it, it will silence a heck of a lot of your detractors. I mean, there are a certain number of people that are just on something weird and they've read way too much Ayn Rand. And so they're going to, you know, say, oh, there's, there's so much money in feeding the hungry. That's why you do it. Um, but that's... <laughs> that's a literal thing Jed's been told, by the way. Just yeah. Just so clear. Yeah, I'm not making that up. Well, like government money. Yeah, that's right. You, you can... Yeah, I'm loaded, baby. You have no idea. <laughs> I make two figures. But here's the key thing is uh, uh, it's not even as much as it will help a lot with other people. And it certainly will. It actually just help in your own heart, man. Um, it will bring your walk with the Lord uh, to life in a way that I don't think anything else can actually. Uh, yeah. You know, I um, what the Bible says in, in the book of James is that the living out of the Christian religion is defined by service to widows and orphans. Uh, that's that's actually the living out of the Christian faith. And I found that to be true in my own life. And when you experience God's love and God's heart through service to other people, someone says to you, well, what about and besides and Carl Sagan and the cosmos? And I don't know what to tell you, man, but I've I've experienced God's love and that's it's good enough for me. Uh, right. you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's, if, if you want, you can come hang out. You can feed some hungry people too. You'd probably like it. It'd be great. But that's the thing. Live out your faith, man. Go serve people. And I think it will help with all these conversations, but it'll also make it more and more real and more and more deep to you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that goes back to where Glenn started us off with this idea of we, we are, we do ourselves a disservice by looking for a totally airtight, logical consistency to our faith. Um, in a way, I understand what you mean. And we all want to think that the things we're based on our life on or believing have a certain not not even just that they are logical in the sense that they make sense to everyone, but they have an internal logic. These things make sense. It's it's something that can be relied upon. But and you will find that as you pursue Christianity. And if you go out and look at these things, things like the weird kind of seeming contradictions of the Bible and things like that will actually will make more sense. But you do get to that experientially, as opposed to sitting down and just thinking real hard about it. Yeah. 
Christianity is meant to be lived experientially. If you find yourself of the uh, particular Reformed persuasion, this is going to hurt you, and I apologize. Um, by probably a conservative estimate, 95% of the Christians who've ever lived were not literate enough or did not have access to a Bible. Right. The massive, huge, overwhelming majority of people who've lived their faith in a way that Jesus was pleased with never read a single word of the Bible. Yep. They had it read to them, they understood all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's good, it's helpful, it's a holy thing, and we're very blessed to have it, but you don't sit down and create an exegetical one, two, three, and then go out and Christian it real good. So I think that's another part of this when you say, I still believe after these conversations, but I don't really know what to think about it, I don't have, or how to have peace about it. Here's the easiest, easiest path to peace, and I will bequeath this unto you. I don't care. Yep. That's that's a very peaceful place to be. Um, because, as we're saying, if you're going out, if you're experiencing these things, if you have good fellowship, if you're being of service, if you're doing these things, someone can tell you, well, this, that, and I read, and you, I don't know. I don't care. That's not the same as being pig-headed or not open to evidence or illogical or whatever. And a, a moment for our friends who talk about logic mm. online. Um, the funny thing about that is I've never experienced those people, and what they're saying is, I don't know, but I'm willing to accept whatever argument seems most logical to me. What they mean is, I have arrived at a conclusion, yep. and I, with my white man brain, did it. Right. And I am logical, therefore this conclusion is logical. Yeah. I did it real good. There's not a lot of wiggle room for getting in there, as these guys have exactly. pointed out. So, but again, we're looking at that, and if you want to find that uh, logic, if you will, that that consistency, if you want to uh, find a walk that doesn't kind of have these these holes in it that make you question, that's a great thing, and that's something we want for you, but you do get that by living out your Christianity, by being around by being in fellowship, by being in a body, and by growing in that way, you don't get that by, this is not a thing where this is, and this is the way some of these people will point it, this is not someone coming to look at the uh, the bridge you built for a physics class in seventh grade and pointing out structural weaknesses so that right. you get better. This isn't the uh, this isn't the coach who's real harsh about your swing, so you you fix all the holes, and that's actually not the way any of this works. So don't don't look for it that way. It's got to point out, this is someone revealing something about themselves. And if this is a person you care about, that's all great, but don't look for any of this to be a referendum on you. We'll move on to our next question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, I've heard that you can be a born again virgin. I know it's not physically you'll get your chance, but can God restore your virginity? (laughs) What does that mean? And Lee, why don't you start us off on this one? Sure. So, um, you know, I, we 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 talked about this some on the on the last episode, um, and I, I want to start out by saying, um, you know, thanks for writing in, and uh, and I can remember being young and real churched up and really freaked out about all this stuff. So I I can remember this feeling, um, just because depending on where you live, the church that you go to, um, you've probably heard a lot of stuff about just how bad you are. And how awful you are if you've had certain sexual experiences. So here's the problem with that. And uh, and and by the way, we're we're sorry that that's been your experience. Um, the problem with that is I think the the the, the issue that we have with the, that so many Christians have with sin is if you can dig it, it's the respect that we give it. Mm. We give sin so much respect. We we say that this sin or that sin has this mystical ability to ruin your life forever. And so we hold it in this high regard, if you will, like just mm. it is just such a huge deal and it can just absolutely destroy your whole life. It's so impressive and stuff. And but here's the thing is this is this is the deal about sexual sin. Um everyone has sexual sin. Yep. Yeah. Um Jesus reduced all sexual sin down to uh it's called it all the same thing and and defined it in a way that everyone has done it yep um now the the problem with that is anyone that's honest has to declare themselves a person who has committed sexual sin at a level in which Jesus has you know said it's as bad as Everything else, um, every other kind of sexual sin, what you've done 
is the same as all of that stuff they've done. Now, here's my problem. If I want to give sexual sin a ton of respect and just give it this, 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 just this kind of uh, this kind of identity where it's just a life ruiner. It's just you know, it's it's Vlad the Impaler. It's just we have this. It has you know, it just has this kind of it, it just has this kind of reputation or something of being this bad thing. Well, it means that if if it's all the same level of stuff that we've all done in Jesus's eyes, then that doesn't give me the ability to be better than you. And that's a problem for me if I super want to be better than you. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm measuring how much more holy I am than you, or if I want to make myself feel better about the fact that I don't think the things that I've done are as naughty and nasty as the things that other people have done. And that's the trouble. I, I think that um, it, 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 we can see this a whole lot clearly if we define stuff the way Jesus did. Everyone has sexual sin. The stuff that everybody's done, Jesus went ahead and called that as bad as the stuff anybody else does. Um, therefore, we've all got it. Jesus paid for all of it. If you've believed in him, it's all completely gone to a degree where you will never come in contact with it again, as far as he's concerned. And um, it's not on your record. And he actually calls you just as righteous as Jesus himself. Um, and so... That's the deal, but the, I think the problem with us emotionally is that so many people have told us that it is a life ruiner that can taint your reputation and your heart and everything else for the rest of your life. And it's just not true, man, because if that were the case, it's ruined all of our lives. Because to be clear, again, everyone has done the same thing uh, in the eyes of Jesus. And so if we can look at it that way, then we can realize. We don't have to give it the life-ruining respect or reputation that, that other folks have given it. That's Amen. a really excellent place to start off. And Jed, I'd love you to, to pick us up there. Maybe it's worth applying this kind of underlying thing that uh, Lee's giving us to this particular situation of um, the reason someone would want to be a born-again virgin, yeah. which is a phrase I can't believe I've had to say for a second time mm. into a microphone, is that uh, that is good. Sure. Apparently. but. Is it? Sure. Is it worth running this through of why do you, why do you want this? Yeah, I think I think it's worth asking. Well, let's start by repeating something Lee said. We are so sorry that people have put shame and guilt and fear on you. Yeah. Um, Probably that, for profit. Yeah, that's just wrong, man. And, and we're not on that, and we're sorry that you've had to put up with that. You've probably heard us talk before about the idea of a thought experiment. So we're going to create a scenario in our brain, and we're going to play it out and kind of see what happens. And I'd I'd like to invite you to conduct a thought experiment. Suppose that your wish was granted. You are suddenly, it's not just as you're a born-again virgin, you're a virgin virgin. It's the whole deal. We just, done. Super virgin. Now, here's my question. Why would it matter? What's different now? And I mean, as, I don't mean that as a rhetorical question or a sarcastic question. I want you to think about that. I yeah. want you to, do, you get, do you get a better seat at church? Yeah. Do you get to date better people now? Exactly right. Well, actually, let's, here's a couple questions to guide you, because again, I want you to think about this. Is there a person that would want to be in a romantic relationship with you now that you are a virgin who wouldn't have wanted to be with you before? Well, don't, don't. Don't have anything to do with that person. Yes, yeah, that's super. not a person to be near. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 know that person in any context. Uh, would new doors open to you? Like, would there be like a, a church? Would maybe they'd like hire you for a job now, and they wouldn't have have hired you before? Because if that's the case, don't have anything to do with that church, and maybe yeah. set the building on fire on your way out. Like, super super, don't have anything to do with that church. Now, here's the last one. Would this let you feel differently about yourself? And that's the one I'd really, really, really encourage you to think about. Because I bet the answer is yes. Yes, that would let me feel differently about Mm -hmm. myself. Why? Yeah. What is it that something from your past could just define who you are today and who you can be in the future? What, What on earth would give that thing that power? Um... Who told you that something has that power over you? Because the Bible doesn't say that. 
And God doesn't say that. In fact, those say the opposite. Those declare freedom. Those declare newness. Those, I don't know if they declare born-again virginity or not, but they definitely declare that the old is gone and the new has come, and if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Who told you that you're damaged goods? Yeah. Who told you that you're something other or something lesser? And what do we need to do to purge that from our brain and never give that the time of day ever again? That's the journey that's before you. You are not damaged goods. You are not other. You are not lesser. You're a child of the living God. And if somebody has a problem with that, send them to us, and we will give them an attitude adjustment. Please. We might outsource that job, but we know people. (laughs) Yes, we know exactly. We'd be more than happy to do that. Um, As I will share a quick story uh, on this point, exactly, um, there was a a church around here that— I think they invited had invited Glenn to the service, or just had some folks in the neighborhood. And the uh, the pastor was giving a very um, a very spirited message about how uh, you shouldn't whore things. And he was talking about you know obviously in the, the metaphorical you know you saw what your values whatever. And there were some ladies there who had um, as we mentioned in a previous episode had had to do certain things to survive. And there were their male uh, ne- nephews and cousins who knew that about them, and. Our our pastor in this story learned a very important thing about vocabulary yeah. and politeness and reading the room. Yeah. And if there's someone in your life who needs such a lesson, we know just the folks. That's right. And Glenn, I'd love to it's easy to close out on this. I think I'd love you to pick up right where Jed left off of there if there's something you think that this particular status, whatever that is, in this case it's virgin, would bestow upon you that allows you to do more. Um, that, that inherently means that you think there's something that because you did X, you can't have now. This is, this is not open to you. And I wonder if that's not something we really need to push back against. Well, yeah, you know, all these fellows are doing a great job of describing how damaging this talk can be towards someone who's backslid, but it's, it's sort of intended for the people who are virgins to, to spook them, to spook them. Here's the thing, um, that's not what it's doing. Yeah. What it's doing is encouraging pride. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, I'm, I'm, one, I'm, not, I'm not a born-again virgin, I'm a real virgin. Ooh, how nice there for you. you. Go. Okay. I have a double purity ring. That's right. <laughs> now, you're sinning in all these other ways, but sure, you didn't do that one. Sure. I would like yet <laughs> exactly. I mean, to, Jesus would say you that, super wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus literally says that super wanting to is the exact same thing as doing it. So that's a problem, right? So you know, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't live in a world where I get some sort of bizarre form of credit every time I don't do some sin where yeah. I get to walk around and tell everybody. Yeah, there, about there's it. there's no virgin check coming in. You yeah. know what, y'all? I've never engaged in cannibalism. You're welcome. Right. So, yet. I yet. guess you get to sit in the front pew? That's uh, the good pew. That's the pew for Of course, people. if Jed comes in and walks and sits in the fourth pew, we'll all know what happened on Saturday. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he was stranded on and a desert island, it. and he just, yeah. But here's the thing is, uh, let's give sort of a concrete example to illustrate what these brothers are talking about. I, I was um, uh, uh, talking to an inner-city uh, church pastor, and uh, we were just sort of idle conversation. Hey, how you doing? And he uh, he he said, "Well, you know, I'm struggling, uh, but um, you know, I'm still a work in progress." He says, and I said, "Me too," and I'm near the beginning. Mm. And he stopped and pulled up, and he says, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, I'm trying to be exactly like Jesus, and so far, I'm not to one millionth of one." half of one fraction of one percent as righteous as he is. So I'd say that's really at the beginning. And I have a feeling between now and the time I die, I'm not going to get a long, long way down that road. I mean, I'm fighting for every inch, and it's a lot better than it used to be, but I'm at the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) And he, he got this real funny look on his face, and he said, I really needed to hear that. I said, why did you need to hear that? And he says, well, I think deep down in my mind, I thought I was about 90% there and just a few <laughs> small things to nail down. And that explains a lot. 
and that really sets me free. Okay, so uh, here's here's what I reason why I tell you that story. I think most church people think that way. Yep. You know, it comes down from the pastor, and I think that most church people are trying to fit their thinking of the world and their Christianity and the, the way they would communicate Christianity is like, okay, first you start by just being perfect, mostly, right, and then you sort out the few small details of where you're not perfect. And you get perfect. Then you get perfect. The Bible says everyone is not perfect. Right. Oh. Super not perfect. So everyone's missed the mark. Everyone has fallen short. So everyone is not a used to be whatever everybody is is sinner. This is this is what we have done here. Um, I think the right way for us to look at you know I'm, we're throwing out all this and saying it's wrong. Here's the right way to look at this: righteousness is a choice that you make today. Amen. Forget about what's happened in the past. That's what the Bible says. I, I forget. Paul says I I I turn loose of the past. I I move on for the past, and I reach out to, and, and, and strain forward to take hold of blessings uh, that, and the reasons why God took a hold of me. Here's the thing. Righteousness is a, is a choice, and it's a choice that you make today. You can live righteously today. You can make the right choices. You can serve people. You can love people. You can forgive people. You can make all those right choices today, but I can't do anything about the choices in my past. I need to turn loose of that. And I, when I look at my future, I can't see my future as an echo of my past because today mm. I'm a changed person. I'm different than the way I used yeah. to be. It may only be by degrees, but you add all those degrees up, and eventually it's a pretty serious change. Man. So, so uh, let's think of things more in those terms. Uh, I think your theology would be more on point. You're absolutely right. It's really fantastic stuff from all these guys. One final thing I will throw on the end here for a... Uh, in regards to this specific question, and it speaks to a mindset thing, which is, um, um, this is going to, I'm going to try to find the right word. Virginity is not a thing that exists mm. in and of itself. It is not a scientific um, threshold over which one pushes. Virginity mm. is a, to, uh, I have a liberal arts degree, is a societal construct. Oh, you just hurt my brain. Yeah. Take that engineering boy. Oh. I don't know how to plot that in MATLAB. Now I'm sad. <laughs> uh, see, that hurt my brain. Now we're even. Um, but there's so the idea of virginity is not something that is um, handed down from above, and it just means things the same thing in all cultures and all places. It doesn't mean the same thing now. Is it meant in the Bible? What? Um, there were uh, quite often in biblical times you could have sex with someone when you were engaged to them, but hadn't done the marriage ceremony yet, and you would still be a virgin. So, you know, because it's a made up thing. Hmm. Um, so, but all that to say, when someone, when society, when a group, when someone gets really stuck up on these very specific definitions and really hold, but you got to do it this way, you got to be on this, you got to fit this label, that is almost always a weird hang up they have. Yep. Rather than a real thing. Because to say, because if, if it's, if, the way these people talk about virginity was true and it was a thing and had to have it. And God wanted to be a virgin. If you do a virgin, you got to be a virgin. That means somebody would have had to sit down in a boardroom with a big old whiteboard and plot out this body part, touching this body part. No. Okay. This body part, touching this body part. Okay. We're 50, 50 on that. one. we'll come back to it. That's not when you think about it now, again, judges, <laughs> And we're talking about when you get all caught up in the guilt and the pride of it, it becomes a aha, it's a real badge of honor. When when you think about it, it's a weird, creepy, technical obsession to get caught up in. Yeah. And it's only trying to put that on you. All we're saying is it's not worth your time to think about things that way. And um, again, if people need things explained to them in a certain way, we're more than happy to engage in that process. With all that said, we're going to move on to our final question. It comes in anonymously and it says, is it possible to be anxious or depressed, but have the joy of the Lord at the same time? It's a really interesting question, and Jed, why don't you start us off? Okay, I'm glad that you wrote in, but we're going to do something important here. I want you to hear me on this. I'm going to answer the question that you asked, but then we're going to look at the question that you mean. Ah, and we want to be clear at the difference two between step the two. Process. So the question that you asked, in an academic sense, is it technically possible to have a mental health issue and also possess the joy of the Lord. Of course it is. 
It's completely possible, and I can prove it to you. Joy, as in the virtue that we receive from God, distinct from happiness, does not depend on circumstances. That includes the circumstances of health, which includes the circumstances of mental health. So yes, 100%, absolutely. From an academic standpoint, yes. This is one of those theoretical, intellectual, philosophical conversations here. Yes, we have have had it. Your theoretical, philosophical question has been answered. (laughs) Yes, you can have mental health struggles and still possess the joy of the Lord. That's the judges. Yes, that's the correct answer. Well, that's all the time we have today here on the Say That Podcast. Sorry, maybe next week we'll talk about something real human beings deal with. Oh, we have more time. Okay, here's what real human beings deal with. I am depressed. I am anxious. I do not feel joyful at all. Does that mean that there's something wrong with me? Does that mean I'm a bad Christian? Does that mean that God doesn't love me? Does that mean that I'm in sin because I'm having these struggles? What does that mean for me? Now we're talking. Now we're having a conversation. If you're going through a season where you're dealing with anxiety and depression, we're sorry, and we love you, and we believe in you. That's right. The real deal answer is this stuff is super complicated. And part of the reason that it's super complicated is that people are complex, and you have a body and a mind and a spirit. Right. And uh, this actually kind of involves all three of those, mm-hmm. kind of all at the same time, and there are implications on all three of them all at the same time. So um, you need to talk to your doctor if you're having issues with depression and anxiety. Um, go see your GP if you don't have a doctor, if you need help figuring out how to do that where you live, right into us. We will do everything we can to help. We're not doctors, but we're pretty good at figuring out resources. We, you know, I'm sure we can help you get connected there. So we've got that body side of it and also the the mind side of it. But in terms of the spirit side of it, here's where we begin. God loves you. He is with you. He understands. Amen. God is not – we sometimes, I think, get this sense that God is like a really uptight party host. It's like, well, you seem to, to not be having a, a good time. Well, I, I, I figured after the trouble I went to, perhaps someone would enjoy it. But no, that's, it's no problem. It's no problem. It's fine. It's fine. It's just, it's just, yeah. No, it's fine. I don't mind. I don't mind. That is not how God is. God created you. God created your brain. God knit you together. God has numbered the very hairs on your head. God can watch your neurons fire. God knows what you're dealing with. And Jesus understands sadness. Mm. He understands depression. He understands worry. He understands anxiety. God is not far off from you, and he is not looking down on you. Can you have joy at the same time? Sure, I guess. But you know what God really wants to give you right now is a sense of his nearness and his comfort. Amen. That's that's the thing Amen. that God wants to give you. We'll get to joy. Uh, what we want to start with is by taking off the guilt for the joy you that's don't right. have today. Okay. God does not want you to feel guilty about that. We do not want you to feel guilty about that. If you're dealing with anxiety and depression, go see your doctor and write us and let us know some more specifics about your situation. We'd love to talk with you offline and help get you sorted out and situated. That's absolutely right. And uh, Lee, why don't we uh, continue down that road and get a little deeper into that idea of uh, maybe the concern about what being a Christian without joy, you're aff- why you're afraid of that and why that's something we need to get rid of. Yeah, I think exactly uh, exactly on that, that thread where, where uh, Jeb was going, it, if, I, if I see myself as a Christian and I don't feel a certain way that I know I'm supposed to feel, then now I feel guilty and that makes me feel worse. Than I felt before. I felt bad, but now I feel worse because I should have felt this other thing. And talking about what we should feel is never a very helpful line. Um, that that kind of a thing only leads to guilt. Yeah. Uh, you you should feel this way. Well, I don't right now. Well, way to go. You know. And I think I think the three words "way to go" are some of the devil's favorite words. You know, just <laughs> way way to go. I mean, you know, it's just such a loaded, it's such a loaded thing to say to somebody, but that's what the word should does, is it gives us this feeling of way to go. Now, now not only do I not feel joy, even though I believed in Jesus, but that makes me a, a failure at a meta level, um, way to go. Um, and I, what I would say is exactly, I think what, what Jeb was saying, where Jeb was leading on this is the best course today would be just to be honest about how you feel. Yep. Um, so if you feel sad today, 
that's the prayer that you need to have to the Lord. I feel sad. Um, I, I feel lonely. I, 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 today I don't like myself, and, um, and I don't like the way this feels. I don't really know what to do, and I, I need you to help me through this next five minutes. That's a great prayer. It's an awesome prayer. And it's a better thing than saying, well, I know, you know, uh, all these things are true of me or whatever as a Christian, so I should be happy about it. So sure, I've got the joy of the Lord. Um, great. That's not helpful to anybody. One thing I would say on a practical point, aside from, aside from just, I think, the freedom that you'll feel from just being honest with the Lord and with people that are really close to you and, and care about you and understand you, um, I think that's the first place to go. But another practical thing that I would say, and this is a thing that that I think that a lot of us have trouble with, not just folks who struggle with depression, but even folks who don't struggle with depression, is that we don't see the extreme power in calling small wins a win. Yes. Wow. Um, and so here, I'm going to illustrate that real quick. Let's say that you're you're feeling sad today. Um, you're feeling that that wave of that familiar wave of uh, that, that cloud of depression or, or whatever, however it manifests itself for you. And you have to do certain things. Like you, you have to go to the post office to, 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 to get this one task. It has to be today, or you have to pick up this, these forms from the administration office in your college or whatever it is. And you get up and you tie your shoes and you get in your car and you go to that post office and you accomplish that task. Holy crap, that is a win. And we're calling today a win. Like, and, and I know that feels like a small thing, but that's a big deal. If you accomplish a stressful task or something that freaks you out or something that would normally kind of take you off your square and you go ahead and make that thing happen, let's call that as big a win as it is. Yeah. That, that's an incredibly powerful thing. Um, let's say that you've got three or four huge things that you again, should do today or whatever. Um, but you do one of them and you don't do the other ones. The typical feeling would be to bury yourself under a mountain of guilt because I should have done all three of those big things. But let's flip that script and say, but I did that one and it scared the crap out of me and it, was, it felt like it was going to be overwhelming. So I'm going to classify that as a win, and I'm going to say that today is a win, and I'm going to be honest with the Lord about the way that I feel about all of this, but we're going to start celebrating some wins. Um, it's, a, it's a small practical thing, but I think it will have a big impact on the way you actually feel today. Amen. It's a very, very good point. And Glenn, let's, let's go back to this idea that uh, Jed started off with, of joy being a virtue. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to understand. It's it's a it, the rare churchy word that I think we get our head around that is actually really going to help us apply this stuff. Absolutely, a, a virtue is is an aspect, an element of God's character that He can and, and will grant to us if we ask for it and we receive it. So that's joy, that's peace, that's patience, that's kindness, it's gentleness, uh, it's love, it's grace, it's uh, wisdom. Galatians five greatest hits. There you go. Here's the thing about those those virtues is they all fit together, and so they can work together uh, in order to get where where we need to go. Uh, what Jed was really introducing to this discussion is the idea of you're at depression now, anxiety now, and you think of joy as the opposite of that. Mm. So we want to jump from depression <laughs> in one step to joy. And that's not how you do that. That's actually not how anything in the Christian life works. Well, that's not what Pastor Ricky's book said. Yeah. That's a deep disappointment. And that's because Pastor Ricky has never walked anyone through the steps of accomplishing anything. Hmm. Because he just <laughs> talks to large groups of people. Judges? Oh, it checks out. Wow, that's yeah. a surprise. So, and, and this is also true of, of certain churches where... Um, you get delivered from things, and then so they just I like go the sound away. Of that. Yeah, um, this uh, this is not how anything works. Uh, we have uh, uh, yes, yes. Joy should be your goal, the end point. You're you're right about that. Uh, and yes, you can have joy. You ask for it, you receive it, you've got it. That's it. But 
I think the question I want to ask you back about this is, is God expecting you to be joyful in this moment right now? Or would that just be horribly unreasonable for God <laughs> to expect of you? If, you? if you're depressed and you're depressed for a reason, then as Jed's saying here, he, first and foremost, he wants to express to you that he understands that you're depressed uh, and he wants to give you comfort in that moment. As wow. Lee is pointing out, if you so so step one is receiving that love, receiving that grace, and receiving patience. That is to recognize God is patient with you in this moment, yeah. and therefore you can be patient with yourself in this moment. Give yourself a big fat break. Okay, if you do that, then that leads into the stuff that Lee was talking about: uh, shooting on yourself and and asking yourself. Are your expectations way high and crazy and weird and ridiculous? I should be doing this. I should have already done this. I should be making straight A's. I should be, uh, you know, getting this promotion. I I should do this. I should do that. I should do this. I should call my family. I should all these shoulds. These are expectations that you have piled on yourself, but you haven't perhaps asked God is that you know a reasonable expectation. And if you're in a state of depression, as Lee is pointing out, uh, if you say, about the most I can expect of myself is to get my butt out of this bed, tie my shoes, go down to the thing, run this errand, and come back and high-five myself, if that's the most that can be expected, and I do that, I did 100% of expectation. Nice. Therefore, that's as responsible as anybody could be I'm on my way. So um, it, what, I, what we're talking about there is having understanding, and we're going to gain that understanding by prayer, right? And what prayer, what I'm getting in prayer is wisdom. God's saying this is what is expected of you, and I have uh, obtained that knowledge, so now I know what he, God is thinking. I'm seeing things from God's perspective, and that's what the definition of wisdom is. Uh, I see what God expects of me, what he wants, uh, and I see maybe a bit of why he wants me to do these things so that I'm not going off my feelings anymore. I'm not going off of my expectations I put on myself anymore. Now, just from going from comfort, like Jed was talking about, to wisdom, the way Lee is talking about, now I, I, I can start to shift my way towards a joy where I'm seeing, okay, Now I see how these things fit together. Mm -hmm. I can take this wisdom that I'm getting, but I can kind of project that to the future. You know, I can see how if I keep doing these steps and I keep on this path, I see how it will work out. And so I can be joyful about that now because I can see how it'll work out. That's a process that goes on by layers, but you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And yeah, all that's going to go, you start uh, peeling away the layers of that anxiety and that depression. Uh, so it's about knowing all those steps and seeing all those layers and just asking, what's the first thing that I need to do and starting there rather than trying to jump to the end? I think it's a really fantastic point. I think it ties in really well to what these other guys were talking about. And one thing I would kind of put all that together and cap it off with is this idea of when we're looking for these virtues of God, when we're looking for these things, uh, one of the key hallmarks of them is that they have a supernatural quality. They don't always match up with things that are around us. That's kind of how we know we're getting them from God, not from other things. If you have clinical depression or anxiety, or if you're just in a place where you're kind of prone to those things, and to go back to Lee's point, you do anything that is even remotely in a joyful direction, that is supernatural. That's right. That is a virtue of God uh, overriding the the chemistry happening in your brain to, to help you be functional and get you to that place. And that is, as we're pointing out here, that is a victory to be celebrated. We don't want to, to go to Jed's point, we super don't want to stay there if there's something as... Um, relatively, it can be a scary first step, but some of these relatively low impact is uh, getting on a medication, regular seeing a therapist, regular seeing a mentor. We super want to do that because you don't want to stay in the in the bottom out forever. But I think when we look at these virtues, uh, maybe it's, we get, sometimes we get too caught up in thinking of what those, those uh, high points should be and what these things mean for those high points. They'll be all the higher, but living a Christian life, as you may have picked up, is not all high points. That's not what that's promising. It's promising that God and all his virtues are going to be there at the high points and at the low points. So 
If you're in one of those low points, we're sorry for it. We want to see you take the right steps to get out of that. But it's, it is a particular skill and a mindset you can ask the Lord to give you and open your eyes to that uh, just because you're having an overall low point does not mean that all these virtues have abandoned you. You are getting out of them what you can at this point. And that's, that's a good thing in and of itself if we have the eyes to see it. All right. Thanks for writing in. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We talked about uh, we uh, good old country Sunday school songs, right. and we have uh, our version of that. This is a an old hymn called Under His Wings, uh, produced by our friends Haley Connor and Zach Hughes from down there in Nashville. A great tune that I like a lot. And take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Final verse. Bring on the brothers who've gone on before and all the sisters who've knocked on your door. All the departed dear loved ones of mine, stick them up on the offensive line. <laughs> I can't tell if he made that up or if that's a real verse. It's real. <laughs> Under his wings I am safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests are wild, still I can trust him. I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me and I am his child. Under his wings, under his wings, who from his love can sever. Under his wings, my soul shall abide, safely abide. Safely abide forever